Welcome to TCC Alive, a podcast of Tulare Community Church. Daniel's invited me to preach in this series, He Came Near, to look at the Virgin Mary, and I'm ill-content for us to have a Sunday school version of the Virgin Mary. I want you to hear the story, the whole story, and nothing but the story of the Virgin Mary. To do that, uh, pray with me, please. Father, may your word be our rule, your spirit our teacher, and the glory of Jesus our single concern, in whose name we pray, amen. Jeff. I'm going to try to make this come up, but I'm not quite sure what I need to do. Sorry about that. I think this guy is There you go. Daniel's checking. Is that high enough? Thank you. This is a reading from the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew 1. We're going to read starting at verse 18 until the end of the chapter. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, Son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be be to God. Hear the words of the Apostle Paul from the book of Ephesians. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. Put on the whole armor of God, that on the day when the day of evil comes, You will stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand, stand again, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions. Be alert and pray for all of the Lord's people. Amen. Amen. 
So the question is, why read Paul's account of a battle and the battle armament along with the story of the virgin birth of Mary? Answer, this birth is a signal for war. And if you don't think so, just read the newspaper. If I say San Bernardino, do you think something? Or Orlando, do you think something? Columbine, do you think something? This birth is a signal for war. But don't take my word for it. Take the witness of John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, who saw everything clearly. And this is his witness from the book that we love. I saw a portent in heaven. A woman clothed in the sun with her feet on the moon and a crown with 12 stars on her head. She was pregnant, crying out in birth pangs, in the agony of giving birth. I saw a second portent in the heavens, a a great red dragon having seven heads and, and ten horns and seven diadems on his head. And with his tail, he swept down a third of the stars of heaven. And then he stepped to the woman who was about to give birth to a son so that he might devour the child as soon as it was born. And she gave birth to a son, a male child, who will rule the earth with a rod of iron. And immediately the child was snatched away and taken to God and to the throne of God. The woman fled into the wilderness to a place prepared for her where she will be fed for 1,260 days. Then war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. And the dragon was defeated, that ancient serpent who is the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world, and there was no longer any room for him in heaven. So he was thrown down. And then an angel cried out, Woe to you, O earth and sea, For the devil has come down to you, and his wrath is great, and his time is short. But rejoice, O heavens. And then, when the devil saw, the dragon saw that he had been thrown down, he pursued the woman who had given birth to a son that he might devour her, but she was given the two wings of the great eagle that she may fly into the wilderness to a place that is prepared for her to be nourished for a time, a times, and a half a time. The dragon pursued her and let forth from his mouth a great flood to swallow her up. But the earth came to her rescue and swallowed up the flood. And then the dragon was angry and he took his stand on the seashore that he might make war upon the children of the woman. This is the word of the Lord.
Hard to say thanks be to God, isn't it? Um, Did you know that was in the Bible? It's the true story of the virgin birth. The virgin gives birth to a son who does battle against the evil one. And the battle belongs to us. Now, actually, that was Revelation 12. And there's something right in the middle of it that is the critical key for us today. And it's this. They have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. What do we have to go with in the world that we live in? And what are you going to pass on to your children? It is the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. The blood of the Lamb, the blood of the Lamb. The blood of the Lamb in John's last book of the Bible is shorthand for everything that the Bible intends to tell us about the redemptive power of Jesus of Nazareth, the blood of the Lamb. It's echoed in Hebrews, without the shedding of blood... There is no remission of sins. It was on the lips of John the Baptist. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The blood of the Lamb is what cleanses us and makes us whole. Oh my, I'm thinking of a song. I hope I don't start singing it, but I'm going to. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me pure within? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other help I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. It's the blood of Jesus that cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Do you remember from your high school English class ever reading Dostoevsky's The Brothers Karamazov? Maybe not. Maybe you saw the movie. There's two, there's two brothers, Ivan, the steely-eyed atheist, and Alyosha, the feeble-minded believer. And Ivan has produced for his feeble-minded brother a book of atrocities. All the evil, all the blood, all the carnage of the human experience. And he says to him, so what about your God now? To which Ivan says, I I know there is one who can save everyone from everything. That's it. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all unrighteousness and makes us whole. I have a friend who was the former dean of the chapel at Hope College. Now he's the dean of the chapel at Westmont College, just down the road and on the coast from here, who once gave the most striking piece of spiritual advice I've ever heard. It was in a setting with about 1,200 college kids. And he said to them, when the devil comes to you at night and he accuses you of all manner of evil and foul in your life, don't argue with him. He's got good evidence. But say to him, it's irrelevant I have been washed in the blood of the Lamb. 
How do we conquer him? By the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. That's what John is saying. The word of our testimony. Who's got a testimony? Who's got a story to tell about Jesus? That is how you fight against the evil one. The woman gave birth to a child and the child signaled war and your capacity to fight against him is found in the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. And it was always the case. Didn't Jesus say to his disciples, you, you are my witnesses. Go into all the world. It is the witness of the believers in the world that battles against the evil one. So do you have a testimony? I mean, honestly, here we are, Tulare Community Church, all gathered tightly in these few square feet. But in a few moments, you know what's going to happen. The doors are going to kick open, and you're going to go all manner of places in Tulare County. And the word of your testimony is the word that wins the hearts of others who are dying and need Jesus, the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. I, 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 want, I need some help up here in a moment, but before I do that, I want to read for you a word of testimony uh, from a young man whom I love. Uh, he's on my faculty. His name is Todd Billings. Um, Todd is absolutely brilliant. I'm holding in my hand uh, a book that he wrote called Rejoicing in Lament. It won the Christianity Today Book of the Year Award a few years ago. And it is a chronicle, a story, a witness, a testimony of his cancer. He's the the age of my son. And he's got more cancer cells in his body more cancer cells that could kill him than any 10 of us combined. But he's got a testimony, and I'd like you to hear it. This is what he wrote. He's riffing on a verse from the Psalms. I will be glad and rejoice in your love, for you saw my affliction and knew the anguish of my soul. You have given me into the hands of the enemy. You have set my feet in a, in a spacious place. In light of all of this, writes Todd, it is important to remember a distinctive entryway that Christians have into the psalm, that through God's victory, our feet have been placed in a spacious place. Ultimately, to be and to dwell in Jesus Christ is to dwell in the most spacious place imaginable. In our culture, to focus one's trust and affection on one hope, Jesus Christ strikes many as narrow or risky or absurd. But because of who Jesus is, to dwell in him is to occupy a wide, expansive place. And that is where I choose to live now. It's the word of his testimony. But there's more, and I want Jeff and Kyle to tell you about that. Kyle. And the blood of the Lamb will protect all the children born of the woman. These are my three kids and my wife, Micah and Madeline and Maggie in the middle. My, my kids are beautiful. They are. And your kids are beautiful. And they're baptized. That makes them our kids. These kids, your kids, our kids, they get me out of bed every morning. 
the world that these children are growing is complicated. There's good in the world, but there is evil. I go to, each work, go to work each day at Western Theological Seminary to form leaders, to form pastors who are committed each and every day to form our kids as disciples of Jesus Christ, to form the next generation of people who say Jesus Christ is Lord. But you hear the word that President Brown spoke, the word from Revelation that says, the world that John sees to live in the name of Jesus Christ is to live in a world that is both a war and a feast. And I long for our students, who will become your pastors, to live at this intersection. The war is real. In your personal life, we know what addiction is. We know what cancer is. We know what illness is. In our broader world, we know what the disruption of economy, what terror what the disillusion of the family is. We know what it means to turn on the news and see religious wars and the name of the God that we worship. We know the war is real. Just yesterday, I received a phone call from one of our students who's living in the midst of a war. She's leading in the war. She told me of a story from someone close to her in her church who's being accused of child abuse. And she walks alongside spouses and children she disciples lawyers and court leaders, helping them to stay close to Jesus Christ as they deal with struggle and pain. The war is real. But there's also a feast. We get these glimpses of hope, these glimmers of hope, especially in the season of Advent. We, we experience healing from illness, practicing generosity, educating children through adopting Roosevelt Elementary School. We know that local churches engage local mission, that, that communities are reconciled with the authorities of this world. And we get glimmers of hope in new babies, through new believers, and through new churches, and newness in the name of Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit reminds us that in the midst of war, we get to celebrate the feast. The gospel of Jesus Christ defeats evil. God gives Mary wings and rescues her from the dragon. God raises his son to the heavens and to the throne. God gives you and me the robes that are washed in the blood of the lamb, made pure and holy. And we can join the gospel song, victory is mine. But there's no way I'm singing that for you today. <laughs> Do you want leaders? Do you want pastors who can lead to victory through the sorrow and war of this world? That's why the three of us go to work every morning. That we would form leaders who would form these kids to be disciples of Jesus Christ. Evil will not win. But it's through Pastor Dan and through all of you wearing the robes of white that we will join Jesus Christ, world without end. Amen. I'm going to tell a Christmas story.
When I was a kid, I was born in Michigan. Uh, we moved to southern Ohio, and I was about eight years old, and my grandparents had come to visit, and it was Christmas time. It was a couple days before Christmas, and we went to eat dinner in the famous Golden Lamb Restaurant in Lebanon, Ohio, which doesn't mean a, a lot to anybody in, uh, in California, I don't think. But if you were from Ohio, you'd be tracking with me on that. That was a big place to go. And we'd just come, and we'd, we were seated at our table, and I was uh, looking at an at a elderly couple that were right across from, right in my, my line of sight. And I saw them, they had just finished their meal and had settled up with a waitress, and I saw them stand, and then I noticed that the man started to wobble and fell to the ground, flat on his back, and his wife shrieked, somebody help him. It was like a wave went through the restaurant and kind of pushed us back, and I was processing what was happening and to my amazement, one man, of all the people in that restaurant, stood up and went to the side of the fallen man. It was my father. My father kneeled down, and I heard my father say, he's not breathing. He's probably having a heart attack. And these were the pre-CPR days. And I watched in amazement as my dad Kind of, kind of moved the man's head a little bit and then put his fingers on the man's nose and bent down and put his mouth on top of the mouth of that stricken man and started to do mouth-to-mouth -mouth resuscitation. And almost immediately, my dad came up, and then I watched him open the man's mouth and deftly remove the man's false teeth that had come out and gotten in the way and then start again mouth-to-mouth -mouth resuscitation. When you're eight years old and you see your dad do that <laughs> to a total stranger, another man, it was mind-boggling, <laughs> but it was also beautiful. My dad saved that man's life. He started to breathe again. We were there watching all this unfold, and I remember a waitress came to the table, and she said to my mom, is your husband a doctor? And my mom is the first. I've been so focused on my dad, I haven't even looked at my mom. My mom was white as a sheet. And my mom said, a doctor? <laughs> Just laughing. She said, he works for General Motors. <laughs> my dad spent his whole career in what they called labor relations. My dad spent 45 years, not in pastoral ministry, he spent 45 years arguing with the United Auto Workers. That's what he did. I did not feel my mom's answer was adequate. So I remember saying to the waitress, we have a big first aid book at home. <laughs> just, just to make everything better, right? Well, the ambulance came. They took the man away. We don't know his name. We don't know what happened to him. But I know he started breathing again. My dad saved that man's life. And when you're eight years old, your father is the brightest star in the constellation of stars that you have. Fifty years later, I have a little bit different vision of my father. I'm well aware of his shortcomings. I'm well aware of his failings. But there is no doubt in my mind that that moment was the absolute moment of purest goodness in my dad's life.
And there's no doubt also that it's not coincidental that it happened at Christmas. Because this isn't just a Christmas story. This is the Christmas story. Friends, you and I are that man in the restaurant, flat on our back. We need someone to save us. We need someone to rescue us. Why? The, the, the sign was up here a little while ago. Why a virgin? Because the rescue has to come from someplace else. We cannot save ourselves. No matter how good we are, we know we are also broken, fallen people. The rescue had to come from heaven. We live in a messed up world, as we've given testimony to this morning. But our world, our planet, has been visited. Our planet has been visited by one born of a virgin. And the Christmas story is not so much that he was born. We focus on that at Christmas. But the whole story is that he grew up that he lived a perfect life, that he taught and showed us everything we need for our salvation. And much more than that, that he willingly went to death, suffered for us, for our salvation. And much more than that, that three days after his death, he was raised again to defeat death forever to bring salvation and eternal life to all who call upon his name. And so in a moment, we get to commune with this one whose life, death, and resurrection saved us. Merry Christmas to us all. Thanks for listening. If you want to know more about the ministries and mission of Tulare Community Church, visit us at tccalive.org.